Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. It's good to see each one of you this morning. Uh, I usually will move around the campus and try to greet people with the uh, a handshake or receive a holy hug, but uh, I've had a bug this week that has kind of settled in my throat, and uh, so I decided that probably it would be wiser for me just to give uh, holy fist bumps, uh, rather, in, and there are many things I want to share with you, but that's not one of them. So, uh, uh, and also just a, a preemptive uh, warning, if uh, I happen to stop in the middle of the sermon to uh, cough or take a drink of water. Don't worry, uh, I'll be back and start firing again momentarily. So uh, I'm just glad to be able to be here with you this morning and I wanna greet those in the Resonate service as well as those who are watching online. Well, I remember years ago uh, in the 50s and 60s when I was young and growing up Baptist that uh, there were a, a lot of things that Baptists were against. We just had a long list of, of don'ts. We were kind of known uh, for that. Kind of at the top of the list uh, usually was drinking, and then uh, uh, dancing was one. You know, Baptists didn't dance back in those, those days. And then uh, uh, mixed bathing was one I never really understood. Uh, that I think was supposed to refer to... Uh, uh, boys and girls swimming in the same pool at the same time, but I never understood how mixed bathing got uh, that term. Uh, another was gambling, and then uh, out of gambling would come, you know, playing cards or dominoes until all the pastors learned to play 42, and then dominoes dropped off the list. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was sad, but we were known more for what we were against than what we were for. And I always kind of wanted to just shout, hey, everybody, Baptists are for Jesus, you know, not just what we're uh, against. Uh, and the reason that was frustrating is that, you know, we know in our hearts that the Christian faith is not just rules of do's and don'ts, but it's about a relationship with a living Lord. And so it was, it was always, always frustrating, but... With all that being true, there really are some don'ts uh, that Jesus gave to us uh, for our own good. Things that he knew that if we would not do them, if they were on our don't list, our lives would be better, uh, our lives would be happier, and our faith and our witness for the gospel would be stronger. And so as we uh, began to think about this series as a team of, of pastors, you know, I think my preliminary title was something about the list of don'ts. And they thought, ah, Pastor, that's so negative. You know, can, how can we say that more positively? And, and so we came up with the idea of alternate route. Uh, in, in other words, as you're going along, and I thought, wow, this is pretty appropriate for us uh, because if you live on the east side of our community, like I do, uh, there have been several weeks in the past few months that if you wanted to come to church down 1488, you had to take an alternate route. And so uh, I thought, okay, that fits with what we're trying to say, that Jesus is telling us there's a different way, there's a, a better way. There's a normal kind of default way that your human nature, your sinful nature, 
would lead you to behave and to act, but there's a better way. There's an alternate route if you are a Christ follower. So kind of the overall theme, if, if you will, the big idea for the whole series would go something like this. If you follow Christ, he will always show you a better way. He will always show you a better way. I think that's what the psalmist was saying in Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. And I love this from the New Living Translation. The psalmist said, Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. And I love this last sentence. All day long, I put my hope in you. All day long, Lord, every day, I put my hope in you to show me the right path to take, the right road to follow. And there are some things that Jesus says, that's not the way you need to go. Don't go that way. Take an alternate route. And here's what we'll be looking at over the next few weeks. Uh, next Sunday, March 8th, we will look at don't fear. Don't fear. Fear is an issue for some who follow Christ. And so we're going to look at what Jesus and the apostles had to say about that. And then uh, the next week, March 15th, don't sin. Boy, that's a broad topic. You ought to show up just in case I hit yours, right? So uh, don't sin. And then on March 22nd, we'll take uh, the week off of the series and we'll be gathering out at the Magnolia Independent School District event center uh, to celebrate uh, 30 years. I, I just have to tell you, Cindy and I are so humbled and blessed to have served this church for three decades. Uh, it's just been the greatest joy of our life, and we hope, thank, thank you so much. Thank you. And, and we really hope that you'll come and celebrate. You know, don't just say, well, we're not going to meet at church, so I'll just skip. Don't, don't do it. Come celebrate. Uh, with us because just the very thought of having all of our services, traditions, and encounter, and resonate, and PIB, and our kids' service, all in, in one place uh, at one time. Just, I mean, it just makes my socks roll up and down when I think of it. So I, I hope that you'll come and be a part of that, that, great, that great day. And then March 29th, we'll come back to the series here together and we'll look at don't worry. Don't worry. Some of you have elevated worry to uh, Olympic caliber, okay? And uh, uh, husbands, if, if you just got, uh, you know, uh, urge to elbow your wife, that, that I hope you resisted. But don't worry. Uh, it's an issue for many. We'll see what Jesus had to say. And then uh, April 5th, the Sunday before Easter, don't doubt. So I hope that you'll follow with us all these weeks of the Alternate Route series. But today, we're going to look at a don't that has become one of the most common accusations for unbelievers to fire at Christians. And sadly, many times, it's justified. And it is, don't judge. Don't judge. And there are many reasons that we shouldn't judge others. Uh, but, but here's one. It's impossible for us to fairly judge someone because there are things about them that we don't know. 
If I were tempted to judge you, I shouldn't do that because there are things about you I don't know. Even if, if we might be uh, long, maybe you've been here all 30 years and we've become friends, but there's still things about you I don't know. I don't know your background. I don't know what it was like where you were growing up, the family in which you were raised. Uh, I, I don't know anything about your uh, environment or I don't know the struggles you're going through right now I don't know the issues that you might be dealing with health or finances or family I, I don't know so many things about you for me to judge you is just not right or vice versa there are just too many things that we don't know and not only about one another there are too many things about people on the outside of the family of faith that we might be tempted to judge them that we ought to just not do it because there are things about them we don't know and besides that it's not helpful it's not constructive it's not healthy and there's a reason for that. It's our big idea for today. Struggling friends don't need judges. They need paramedics. They need spiritual paramedics. They don't need judges. And so let's see what Jesus had to say. We'll look at his words from Matthew chapter 7. And we'll look at a couple of other passages as we make our way through the message. But our main text today, Matthew chapter 7 beginning with verse 1. Jesus is speaking. Do not, don't judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, if you grew up in church or you know the Bible uh, at all, you know that Jesus, this was not a new idea for you to hear, that Jesus said, don't judge. And yet, Christians do it all the time. Why would that be? Why would, why would Christians, people who have come into a saving faith relationship with Jesus Christ, who are being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, why would we judge others when we know Jesus said, do not judge? judge. Well, I have some theories about that. Would you like to know them? Well, it's good because I'm going to tell you anyway. Here, here they are. I, I think sometimes Christians judge others because they see others enjoying their sin and it makes them resentful. It makes them resentful. They see people doing stuff that they know that they're not supposed to be able to do and it looks like they're having fun. And it just kind of bothers them. Uh, Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church, said this great quote If sin isn't fun, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know, that may be in the book of First Hezekiah, I'm not sure, but uh, Scripture actually says sin is pleasant for a season. Well, here's something else that we need to add to that, and you can quote me on this. Sin is short-term pleasure that brings long-term pain. Short-term pleasure that brings long-term pain. And yet I think there are Christians... I'm sorry, I have a tickle every now and then, so if I freeze for a moment, I'm waiting for the tickle to pass. Is that all right with everybody? Okay. I think there are Christians that see other people having a good time doing stuff they know is not right, and they just 
you know, it just bothers them. And, and so secretly in their self-righteous heart, they're kind of really glad there's a hell. And they're going, <laughs> they're going to get theirs. You know, I think there are, there are Christians who judge because they resent others and the good time they're having. Uh, here's another theory. I think sometimes Christians judge, we talked about this a few weeks ago, because they have plank eye and judging others makes them feel better about themselves. You remember the passage a few weeks ago from Luke chapter 6 where Jesus said, hey, you're trying to get a speck out of somebody's eye. You've got a plank. You've got a log in your own eye. And yet Christians sometimes judge even though they've got major issues in their, in their own life. And I think they do it sometimes because judgmental people are deep down insecure people. And so to find fault in others somehow makes them feel superior. It makes them feel above. And so they kind of secretly, silently slip up onto their lofty perch of self-righteousness. And they look down at others below and they judge them. Well, kind of related to that is, is this theory. The judgmental people, when they're focused on other people's issues, it makes it easier to ignore their own issues. And we talked about this on February 2nd in that message from Luke chapter 6 where Jesus said, uh, you're trying to judge someone else, but you got a log or a plank in, in their eye. And here's what they're really doing. Follow me on this. What they're really doing is they're dumbing down the holiness of God and they're putting... They're putting their own sins on the, ah, it's no big deal list. And the sins of others, they're putting on the shame, shame list. And they feel comfortable judging others and it helps them not to deal with their own issues. You may remember on February 2nd, if you were here, I said, here's something I know about you because it's true about me. You've got issues. We've all got issues. We've all got things, including the guy who's trying to preach with a tickly throat. We've all got issues that we need to submit to the Lord and let him hammer at us because they're all faults and weaknesses and areas in which we don't act very much like Jesus. And so sometimes people, I think, are judgmental and critical of others. It helps them not to deal with their own issues. So if we hear Jesus say, don't judge, then what is the do that we put in its place? In each one of these messages, in each one of the don'ts that we'll look at over the next few weeks, there's a do that Jesus puts in its place. There's an alternate route that we are to take. So in this case, in don't judge, what is the do that we put in its place. Well, think about it this way. Uh, Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So here's how I think this applies. Jesus said to treat others as we would want to be treated, right? And so here, here we go. We don't want to be judged. We want to be helped. We want to be helped. We want to get better. And so I want to go uh, back to what was at the end of the lesson on February the 2nd, and we were looking at it from Luke's account. I want us to see it 
from the, the passage we're examining this morning. Matthew's uh, parallel account, Matthew 7, look at the middle of verse 5. Here's how we kind of ended up the lesson on, on February 2nd. Jesus said, first get rid of the log, the plank in your own eye. And we kind of wanted to stop right there. Okay, I got it. Big issue. I need to deal with that. I need to hand it over to the Lord. Okay, lesson over. No, there's more. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So here's what I think this is saying. That following Christ is not just about how it benefits you. Now, we're all glad there's an abundance of blessings in following Christ, right? We're, we're thankful for that. We can't even count the ways in which we are blessed to follow Christ. But if we have this idea that it's all about us, it's all about for me to have my best life now, it's, it's all about uh, how it can benefit me and it stops there, that is a that is a westernized, narcissistic, self-worshipping kind of Christianity. Are you following me? It's not just about what can I get out of it. It always includes how you can help others. How you can help others. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're hearing your daddy's voice in your mind, and you're thinking, my daddy always said, mind your own business. Right? Well, God bless your daddy. But what does your Jesus say? What does he have to say? Here's how I would paraphrase it. We should mind our own business, but struggling brothers and sisters are our business. They are our business. And you know people in the family of faith who are struggling. You know some who are struggling hard to do what's right. They're trying to give it all to God. They're trying to figure out what he wants them to do. They're, they're, trying, they're struggling, and we are to help one another. The scripture says iron sharpens iron. We are to be sharpening each other spiritually because none of us have it all right. None of us have it all together. And so we're to help those who are trying their best with God's help to do what's right. But then there are others who are struggling because they've, they've kind of walked away from the things of the Lord a little bit. They, they've kind of dropped out of coming to church. They've quit reading their Bible. They, they've kind of given up on trying to grow in the faith. They're, just, they're still a Christian. God hadn't kicked them out of the family, but, but they're not where they used to be. They're not where they ought to be spiritually. They're kind of disconnected from the body and from spiritual growth. And then you know some who are in sin with a capital S. I mean, they are on the verge maybe of an affair or a, a, an unbiblical divorce. Or they're about to do something unethical or immoral. I mean, they are, they are right on the precipice of falling into the pit. Or maybe they've already fallen. And they are in sin and you know them. And nobody is saying or doing anything. And what Jesus is saying is, it is not your right or your privilege to be judgmental toward those who are outside the body of Christ. But it is your responsibility 
to be faithful to help those who are inside the body. Not just my idea. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. 1 Corinthians 5, 12 and 13 on the screen. He said, even though he was the Apostle Paul, he said, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. But it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. So when there's somebody in the body of Christ who is, who is in sin in some way, the right response is not to shake our heads and wag our fingers and cluck our tongues and act like we are somehow on a holy hill of perfection. Instead, it ought to break our hearts and move us to constructive compassion. If the sin and struggles of others doesn't move us to compassion and concern for them, guess what? We've become self-righteous. We've slipped on a Pharisee hat, and we somehow think we're above them. And it may be a speck, it may be a small issue with which they need help, or it may be a sin that's an atomic bomb that's about to explode in their life that'll destroy their marriage or their family or their finances or their life. And we owe it to them and to the Lord to intervene redemptively. Paul talked about this to the church in Galatia 20 centuries ago. The principle is still true. And when Paul talked about it to the Galatian church, he didn't give them a one, two, three step process, do this and then do this and do this. Instead, what was more important was the condition of the heart when you undertook this kind of divine intervention. So I want to take you to that passage. Galatians chapter 6. We'll read five verses here. I want you to follow me. Galatians 6, beginning with verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Now, you, you may want to say, wait, wait, wait a minute. How does, this, how does this match up with Jesus' command, do not judge? Well, here's, here's what I want you to understand. Don't judge does not mean don't care. And don't judge does not mean don't help. And we're not talking here uh, about things that are matters of uh, opinion or preference. You know, ladies, it's not like you see a friend who got a new hairdo and it looks bad on them and you feel like God's telling you to tell them that's a bad do. And men, that's never a good idea, by the way. <laughs> or guys, maybe somebody, somebody got a, a tattoo and you, you're not a, a tattoo person. And you just think that's, you know, you think surely the Bible must say that's wrong. And you feel, they, these things are opinions and preferences. We need to leave those alone. But we're talking about true spiritual issues. Things that are clear in Scripture. Brothers and sisters who have fallen into some kind of sinful pattern and they need help. And so what Paul is saying is you need to care enough to be willing to spend the relational capital you have with them as a friend 
that you need to be willing to risk a loving, humble intervention, not to try to judge them, but to help them. And so Paul warns those early believers and us that when you do this, it is vital that you do it with the right attitude and heart. Look at the end of verse 1. Paul says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. In other words, don't try to deal with their sin and fall into sin yourself. Don't try to deal with some issue that they need to to look at in their life and fall into pride or self-righteousness yourself. Be careful. But you've got to help them. Verse 2, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Uh, Can I just tell you that this kind of interaction with someone, this is not a job for spiritual sissies. This is, this is something that's difficult and it's delicate, but it is, it is vital. You've got to care more about them than you care about the possibility that your feelings might get hurt. Are you following me? You've got to care more about them because here's the reality. They're going to react in one of three ways. Possibly they will receive what you have to say They will appreciate the concern and compassion with which you said it, and they will adjust their life back to what God wants them to do. That's the outcome we hope for and pray for, right? Every time. But I would not be telling you the truth if I did not tell you people won't always respond that first way. Sometimes people respond a second way. They'll listen to what you have to say, maybe kind of cross their arms, and they'll politely but but coolly listen to what you have to say, and they'll ignore every word, and they won't change a thing. And they'll still let you be their friend, but they're not hearing what you have. They may react that way. But I also have to be honest enough to say there's a third way they may be. They may react, and it is that they will be offended, and they will not hear anything you have to say, and they'll say things back to you that are very unkind, like, how dare you, who do you think you are, so on and so forth. And they may even pull away from you. They may even decide they don't want to be your friend anymore, and you will come away wounded. But here's what I know. Sometimes, even if they react that third way, some, some later point in their journey, God may use what you had to say by the Holy Spirit to finally wake them up and they'll come back to where they need to be with the Lord. And they may even come back to you 10 years later and say, you know, I hated it when you said it to me that day, but God kept bringing that back to my mind and I knew you were right. And God finally broke my heart over my sin, and I came back. Thank you. Thank you for caring enough to say to me what I didn't want to hear all those years ago. This is difficult, difficult relational work in the body of Christ. And you may think, I'm I'm just not willing to, you know, somebody else... 
that's just not my thing, I don't talk well, excuse this, excuse that. Well, look at what Paul had to say, verse 3. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. We are all called to do this. We are all called to help one another. And you might think, hey, I, I've got issues. Pastor was right. I've got issues of my own, and I'm trying to let God work on me. And when he gets through with me, then I'll be willing to, to <laughs> you know when he's going to be through with you and me? When we get to heaven. The process of sanctification never ends. So the question is not, is he through? The question is, are you cooperating with him now? Are you a work in progress making progress? Are you learning? Are you growing? Are you allowing him to chisel those issues away from you? If you are, you are somebody God can use in the life of others. If he has chainsawed that log out of your eye, then you can now help somebody with a speck that may make all the difference to them. Listen, when God is working on your issues, he's equipping you to help others with their issues. Are you willing to let him use you? And Paul again gives a, a caution warning because attitude is everything. Verse 4, pay careful attention to your own work then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Even if they don't respond well, if you have gone humbly and sincerely with their benefit in mind, even if they act like a horse's patoot, you will have done what God told you to do and God can use it. <clears throat> I have just one next step. In every message, I tell you what I want you to know, and then I tell you what I think God wants you to do. Here's the one next step for today. Ask the Lord to help you deal with your issues so that he can use you to help someone else deal with their issues. Because listen, there are people in your life who really need you. And struggling friends don't need judges. They need paramedics. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the body of Christ. And I thank you for the picture of a healthy body of believers that you paint in the church. And Lord, we know there are a lot of churches that are unhealthy spiritually. And we're not where we need to be yet. Far from it. But Lord, we are collectively and individually a work in progress, making progress. So help a part of that progress be that we might be willing to help others in the body. Lord, if the, if the body of Christ would spend as much time and energy helping those inside the body as we do judging those on the outside of the body, then the body of Christ would be so much more healthy. Help us to be a part of the answer to what you want your people to be, to the honor and glory of Jesus. Amen.
God bless you, everybody. Have a great week.